let's discuss money in the world of Steel Ball Run. Because the, the prize for winning Steel Ball Run is $50 million, which $50 million, $1890. If it was an $1890, <laughs> no. that would be like over a billion dollars. Yeah. But it's not $1890 because Iraqi was like, you're not going to do that math. And I don't want to do that math. Right. So fuck it. It's going to be $2,004. Iraqi yeah. has I a appreciate. very low tolerance for like dealing with bullshit longer than he has to. I also like I do see his point because also they get yeah. into how like the entry fee is twelve hundred bucks and it's like if it was gonna be like what someone I mean in eighteen ninety a penny would buy you like multiple things right right like so it's like it would have been like a dollar or two dollars and I I I agree with him that the modern reader would have a very hard time feeling any kind of risk or impact in that amount of money to be like oh man two whole dollars yeah oof. Uh, you know, and the prize would be like ten grand. I mean, which is not nothing, but I it's think, also definitely not like I think not like that's risk like your a life legit, for it. I think that's a legit excuse for him to give. But I really feel like <laughs> he he was like by the reader, he means himself. Like, yeah, he's like, um, I'm gonna have difficulty getting myself revved up for two dollars. And we all know that like JoJo's is all about Iraqi keeping oh, it yeah. up for his own content. I also think that he would not be able to keep track of shit yeah. like, like that. And he would just accidentally make things worth too much. So he's just like, I'm just doing this from the start. Same with everything being in kilometers. Yeah. Because he was like, fuck it. I'm, I'm not going to remember to switch it to miles. He's like, what yeah. the fuck is a mile? America's stupid. And I'm like, you're right. Iraqi. Legit. Thank Called you. Out. Yeah. Again, like, you're you know, right. And like, you should say it. <laughs> So yeah, so like everything's just going to be in kilometers, which makes it hard for me. But easy for Japanese. And yeah. easy for everyone else in the world. Yeah, <laughs> which is fine. So if you're if you're not living in America right now, good for you. One, congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. You did it. You chose the right place to, to be in when the world called freeze. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we are in, definitely in the wrong place. But also... But also, too, <laughs> you're going to be able to understand yeah. all the distances in Steel Ball Ride. Congratulations. Welcome to JoJo's Bizarre Explainer, a podcast about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I'm Elizabeth Simmons. I'm Darius Kazemi. I'm Courtney Stanton. And today we're going to talk to you about Steel Ball Run, the greatest story of all time. (laughs) (laughs) It is. (laughs) It's my favorite. It's definitely my favorite arc of JoJo's. Same. It's my favorite arc of JoJo's and it's my favorite comic. Yeah. Steel Ball Run specifically. I think it's my favorite comic too. Yeah. So we are starting Steel Ball Run. So based on fan input and also our own hopes and desires and dreams, we decided that now that we've run out of parts of JoJo's that have actually been turned into an anime, what made the most sense was to skip part six and go straight to part seven. Because first of all, Steel Ball Run, which is part seven, is standalone. Like it's a reboot. So you can do it without any context and it doesn't actually matter that you haven't read part six you get a little bit more out of it if you do read part six but like it doesn't matter like we all read part six after part seven yeah also part six in theory might actually get adapted into anime someday and in the next five years yeah (laughs) and so if they and if they happen to do part seven as well i would much rather talk about steel ball run twice yeah in its entirety than talk about part six twice and i i'm the one who likes part six the most out of of three of us yeah also like if we did part six now we would and part six did get adapted we would end up doing part six twice back to back whereas if part seven gets adapted it'll be after part six so 
again, this is just this is just the most utilitarian solution, and it happens to coincide with the fact that we all really love Steel Ball Run, and it's all of our favorite arc of JoJo. Right. Okay. So Araki finished writing the part six manga, and the end of part six was marketed by the publisher by Weekly Shonen Jump as the end of JoJo's. Like that's how it was marketed at the time, and he took a year off after part six before he started writing steel ball run uh which is not usually how he does it like he start if you'll recall if you listen to our podcast he put out the last issue of part three and then it's like here's you know josuke <laughs> like here he is so he didn't take a he often doesn't take breaks between parts but he took a year off between six and seven and uh and actually to find himself to find and himself a, yeah. and and presumably to watch a lot of American buddy movies from the 60s and 70s. And westerns. And westerns. Western buddy movies. Steel Ball Run was actually initially published not with the JoJo's name on it. It was just published as Steel Ball Run. And at least for the first issue, fans were kind of like, wait, is this a JoJo's or or what? Like, what, what is this? Araki has said that he always intended Steel Ball Run to be part seven of JoJo's. Like, it was never an issue in his mind. It was really just his publisher that was, like, trying to attract new readers by making something that wasn't called JoJo's anymore. I love the idea of this, like, alternate timeline in which he pretended throughout the entirety of Steel Ball Run that it was not JoJo's, but, like, (laughs) everything else is exactly the same. Right, yeah. (laughs) Like, obviously, there are characters who are JoJo's characters. Right. There's a Speedwagon Foundation in issue one, you know? In issue one, we see, like, there's a Zappelli, like... Yeah. It's uh, pretty clearly JoJo's type material. And this was also the beginning of the end of his relationship with Weekly Shonen Jump. So he had been publishing JoJo's with Weekly Shonen Jump since, you know, what was it, 88 when the first... Yeah. Uh, yeah. 87, uh, 87, 88. yeah. And the first 23 issues of Steel Ball Run are still with Weekly Shonen Jump and still coming out weekly. And then issue 24, he moves to Ultra Jump, which is a seinen magazine, which is for like adults, basically. Um, Yeah, it's for like young adults, not as in YA, as in not, so not like YA, like how young adult means like middle schooler and high schooler, young adult as in like people in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. Um, Specifically, seinen is like young men, but a lot of seinen... There's a lot of crossover between like Seinen and Jose, which is like the same age women. Um, and it's always like, it's like more mature characters have sex in like, quote unquote, like mature ways. Like, yeah, there's no censorship for smoking. Right. There's like adult <laughs> situations, not in the like cheesy way, but in the like complicated relationships. And and like, I know that there are complicated relationships in Shonen, but like, Seinen and Jose don't market themselves to kids. The other thing is that when he moved to the monthly format, it also happens to be where Steel Ball Run starts to get really, really good, I think. And part of that is because when you're publishing comics on a monthly schedule and they tend then they're longer. So like the weekly issues are like about with with the exception of this first one because it's the intro to the new arc. It's like a double issue. The weekly issues tend to be like 30 pages long and the monthly issues tend to be like 50 to 60 pages long. And um it basically just means that he doesn't have to make a cliffhanger every 20 to 30 pages. He has more room right. to breathe in a given issue. So the pacing is just different from weekly 
also, so like, so Steel Ball Run, like it, it ran from 2004 to 2011. It's 24 volumes, which to put that in perspective, the last few arcs have been like 16 and 17 volumes. So it's like 150% the length. Yeah. yeah. So the story is, it's like, it's an epic story. It's 4,400 <laughs> it's, pages of manga. Yeah, it's great. Right. Which is a lot. And yet, we've all read it multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. this is why when it's like, because, yeah, Stardust Crusaders is what, 17? Yeah, yeah something like 17. 17, volumes. I think 16 or 17. Yeah. If you were going to turn an arc of JoJo's into two seasons, honestly, like, not the one. <laughs> Let's hope that someday they turn Steel Ball Run into like five seasons. That's what I'm. Yeah, it, it would kind of necessitate that. And honestly, like, every single time one of the premium channels do we have channels anymore hbo i mean there's not really premium, TV. i guess there's like, tv whatever anytime a streaming service like orders another like weird sci-fi western hybrid thing i'm always just like just adapt steel ball run yeah seriously Please, i'm begging you that's so that's some like framework for understanding it uh the title is based on the cannonball run challenge which they made a movie of the year I was born, in which I've never seen, but was actually like a real thing that was, it was, it's an automobile race that goes from the Red Ball Garage in New York City to the Portofino Hotel in Los Angeles. Okay. So it's the opposite direction of the direction that the Steel Ball Run race is going. And the opposite vibe because it's cars. Yeah, this is all, this is all horses <laughs> instead of cars. And the, the because whole point Rocky of, loves cowboy yes. aesthetic. But, by the way, I should have mentioned this earlier, but this episode we're just talking about the first issue of Steel Ball Run. Yeah, because so it's a double yeah. issue. It's intro. a double issue, and so and so, just like we we'll, we are we will quote spoil the first issue, but we're not talking about stuff past the first. Yeah, issue. next week will be chapters two and three. Yeah. If you want to do this as a book club, yeah, yep. and we we recommend doing it as a book club, just like with the episodes, and we'll tell you at the end of each episode what we'll be reading for next week. Yeah, uh, so you can keep up with us. If you can resist reading ahead. <laughs> so when did the Cannonball Run happen? Um, well, so the first records, like the outright records, start in like 1915. Okay. Um, and it's called the Cannonball Run because of a, one of the men who ran it, who was like Irwin Cannonball Baker. Really? Oh, well, there you go. Wait, there so, go. oh man, that's that's so good. So Iraqi really was like, wait, was his real name Cannonball? What is his nickname? I don't know. Maybe someone. I don't know what what old timey just... men's names were like. <laughs> oh man! No, that yeah. would be definitely his nickname. So yeah, he was a motorcycle and automobile racing driver and organizer. Yeah, he started in vaudeville and then that suggests that Stephen Steele's real name might not be Stephen Steele. I mean, I a hundred percent believe Stephen Steele's real name is not actually Stephen Steele. We get more of his background later in the series, and that dude is a charlatan promoter guy. That's I mean, that's true, his, that's whole, true. his whole deal is that he's just like a kind of a flimflam artist. Yeah. Well, and that's Aww. that's Erwin Baker. So like he would like get paid uh, to do like stunt point to point like record setting drives to promote like motorcycle parts companies and stuff like that. He's buried in my hometown. He was born in Crawfordsville, Indiana. Like, I definitely have heard of this guy. Yeah, and I, I'm sure that Iraqi watched the movie Cannonball Run yeah. because it was that was a oh, pretty yeah. popular film when it came out. And I've never seen it, but it starred Burt Reynolds, so I feel like I've seen it. I mean, with Steel Ball Run, and like this is true even before it switches to the Sanon magazine um, to Ultra Jump, it has like a very different vibe from the rest of JoJo's 
even though it's still extremely a JoJo's. And I think this is probably like why we like it. It feels more fully thought out. Like even though there's stuff at the beginning, there's like little things that get retconned like in any arc. It feels like he has ideas about where he's taking the story early on. Uh, it's not like at the beginning of part five where like where Jorno is kind of a different character right. than he is 10 issues later. You right. Know? And he's very um, he has like a much and we'll get into this a little bit more in the next couple of chapters. But like he has a much subtler kind of storytelling. I don't know. Ethos. It's like he it feels like he's in less of a rush, which we he, he is. eventually <laughs> is in less of a eventually, rush but he yeah. definitely at least early on he he definitely wants to be in less of a rush so you yeah. can see that like that he is trying to tell a story like more slowly more deliberately and it's also just a much bigger story yeah like there's a lot more characters which is part of why like chapter one neither of the two main characters really like are, yeah. are featured yeah we see we see gyro at like the very end yeah, yeah. it's more of a teaser for the next issue yeah. and that just introduces this dude who's like you know names a peli so if you are familiar with jojo's you're like well he's probably important but like there's no joe stars to be found yeah yep so so we start off and we'll, we, we start off with like the greatest iraqi like narrator not narrator splash screen <laughs> Instead of learning about a random city, we're learning about the entirety of American culture in the 1910s, right? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Telephone, baseball, automobile, and like eventually trains. the concept of like prize money at the end of a of some sort of feat, like right? Because it's like he's right. like the Olympics happen, <laughs> right? Like or apparently, apparently this is how prize money was invented. Yeah. Oh, right. And it's not the 1910s. It's the 1890s, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. It yeah. Is, yeah. Right. Because, of course, because instead of starting England 1880, it's America 1890. 1890. Yeah. We need um, to know this is a reboot. Yeah. Yeah. JoJo's is American now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and we do know that this is not like this is not happening at the same time as Phantom Blood in the same continuity because there's already a Speedwagon Foundation right. operating in America which, if we were in the other continuity, Speedwagon would still be president of the of the Ogre Street Pirate Club. Exactly. Yeah. And then, like, you get the first cover of Steel Ball Run, which tips you off that this is going to be a subtle and nuanced handling of American racism <laughs> towards Native populations. <sighs> it's like, well, basically, Elis, I really value your take on just, like, this is a Japanese man riffing on American culture, so... yeah. Like, it's not him inventing this trope. No. And I think that, like, I think that the thing is that, like, Araki clearly – well, why don't y'all talk a little bit about, um like, Westerns as a racist trope and, like, what it means to sure. enjoy that, like, uh, yeah. critically. And then I'll talk about um the – The Japanese yeah. angle. Yeah. Well, so – so I grew up reading Westerns and, and watching a lot of Westerns. And then I went to film school where I – <laughs> did a lot of studying of Westerns. Uh, essentially, I'm at the point in my life that I just don't think it's actually possible to do a Western like as a genre. Like, not like I'm making a thing that's set in the West. It's like, fine, whatever. But like actually like engaging with the Western as sort of a thing with genre conventions is inherently racist. Like the whole point of a Western yeah. is to glorify white imperialist Set, like settlers versus yeah. uh, and like and you know quote unquote domesticating and civilizing 
the country. And but th- what that is is you know genocide. Right. Uh, I mean, even <laughs> even something explicitly critical of the genre like Deadwood, like oh we'll fuck, st- you know, Deadwood. Right? Yeah, like, I, mean, like, I, mean, <laughs> I like Deadwood a lot, but yeah. also like let's not pretend that Deadwood like is any kind of decent handling because again they're doing a western, so it's like a bunch of white people grappling with like. Oh well, you know, is it more authentic to live on the "quote unquote" edges of society? But again, it's all white society, right. right? It's like it's it's all it centers whiteness. Yeah, yeah. America, of course, was already civilized when yes. white people arrived. <laughs> we had um, thousands of civilizations here. Yeah, uh, many, many, many people were already here, and so it's like the Western. Like, I don't think it's possible to just like do a western but also i'm white i could right. totally lack the imagination well also but that's, like the know. thing is that like westerns don't just like there's there's uh, the obvious like westerns are about glorifying like genocidal imperialism and expansion and settlement and also like erase the realities of like what the culture even was like even within those bounds like yeah like many I mean, like, cowboys bl- were black like most cowboys were black <laughs> yeah. and latinx yeah. uh chinese people built all the infrastructure yeah. of this country yeah. at that time you know but it's like that's not in, there's no room for that in the story because well, that's not the story it's also important to remember about the western the western as a genre was basically always about the vanishing of the so-called right. frontier like yeah the undercurrent of basically every western is oh we, the white cowboys, used to be wild and free out here, but now the 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 trains have arrived and the the people from out east have come and they're and they're gentrifying yeah. our 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 cowboys. They're making place. us wear masks, you know, like they're taking <laughs> away our guns. Like I mean, it, it, yeah. it's just it's like yeah. one piece of like the long history of like American individual exceptionalism and the idea of like one good man with a gun can solve a problem, and. That's just a lie. And then the more again, critical Westerns are like, one good man with a gun can't solve a problem, but he's still cool. And he needs yeah. like three other good men with guns. You know, like it's it's very, that's just, that's and what like, it is. The thing is that we're not saying that like, like we all, I think on this podcast, enjoy watching Westerns. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know, like some of them. I mean, again, I, like I like, said, like Deadwood whips ass. I just also don't. I like some that's too. That's not where I'm going to go get my like representation of like, Asian populations in the but United also, States. But also, also like, you know, being an adult is all about like enjoying things critically yeah. because yeah. you're never going to find I don't know what something. you're saying. JoJo's is flawless and it's never made <laughs> a mistake well, in its life. Well, other than JoJo's because JoJo's <laughs> is flawless. But, but unfortunately, uh, <laughs> unlike part two, we are not going to be able to just be like, well, all those racist people aren't actually racist and there's no the, reason for, you know, we can't just explain is, away the Nazis here. Yeah. I think that this was a bad move on Iraqi's part to, to do all these race to, to, I will put, I will say it this way to put all this racism in steel ball run. And the there's reason I'm saying There's a lot I'm of like racist it, imagery. I yeah. would say even more, I would say more than the actual plot. I, well, I like think the design is really the reason I'm think I'm using, I'm using the language of like to put racism in it rather than to yeah. be racist is not because the images are not racist and is not because Iraqi is not doing a racist thing by deploying these images. But we have to remember like the perspective of the person who's creating this and like what we see in the text, like later on in the chapter, we have like Stephen Steele, like saying like, like overtly racist shit. But the thing is that Stephen Steele is a caricature of a certain kind of American, like bigwig, like yeah. oil tycoon type 
even though he isn't actually. But like, you know, like that kind of like Rockefeller-y person. And Rocky clearly like watched a bunch of Westerns, watched a bunch of buddy movies. And he was like, well, in, you know, he's Japanese. He's like, well, in America, in these Western, in this genre, like racism plays a huge part in it. So like, I'm gonna put that um, that unique flavor of American racism, like in I mean, it would be like if I wrote run. something taking place in Japan and I decided to put anti Chinese racism it, in it, exactly, you know? which is like a poor choice, but right. also not outside the. It's like yeah, and it's I think it's one of those things where it's like, do you believe it's possible to deploy racist imagery as like a critique of racism? Personally, right. no, I don't. Right, I think that we're past that. <laughs> you're still, yeah, you're and still ag- manufacturing racist imagery. Yeah, and again, like Courtney and I are white. So, like, take it with that grain of yeah. salt. But, like, but yeah, I think that, like, we have, we're no, we're, we've grown as a society, not grown in that we don't do it anymore, but grown in that, like, right minded people understand that using racist imagery to critique racist imagery is just using racist imagery. Right. That being said, like, this was also 2004, which, like, was recent in the grand scheme of things, but not in the last like 30 years. That was yeah. 15 years ago, 16 years right. ago. So so not to forgive any of this because obviously Iraqi is using a lot of racist stereotypes here with the Native American characters. And then later like Stephen is spouting some bullshit. But it's different when it's like it is just different <laughs> because he is not in like we read it because we're American, so we see it and we're like, "That's fucked up." Yes, yeah. <laughs> but like, like because we're because we live here and we're like, "Yeah, this is all still happening. This is a thing. This is not like acute cultural pastiche. This is like truly the society we live in." But Iraqi is doing pastiche, and he has decided he just de- he made the I think poor choice to include, yeah, the racism aspects of the genre at, in his like whole pastiche aesthetic and it's also not like like you know we've been talking about how much we love steel ball run it's not like every chapter is like racism 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 yeah. racism. you know it's not like you're gonna read it and be like what is wrong with these people whose podcast i've been listening to for years no, it is but like that with say, horses but but yeah, yeah i gotta say those first like 10 pages it's like oof. Yeah. so i do want to i do want to <laughs> just say a little bit about the first 10 pages which is that this arc opens up on an indigenous chieftain about to sacrifice someone. And that is exactly how Phantom Blood opened in 1987. You had about 10 pages of, and this wasn't in the anime really, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't be familiar with this. But if it was you in the game. Just, <laughs> yes, if you, if you had just watched the anime. Uh, it opens with an Aztec chieftain um, holding, like, and he's, and he's about to sacrifice a busty lady. It's like the first and last, like, cheesecake woman pinup you yeah. see. Well, I guess, Rocky drew it we once still, and was like, we, never you know, again. We see, it, we see it a little bit in, in, uh, Holly. in, in Holly and oh, we see yeah, some yeah. in part six, but... But yeah, it, it was Iraqi was like, "All right, you get this one." Yeah, I'm gonna draw then, two boobs, <laughs> and then you're gonna have to wait a while for me to draw. And then boobs the, again. in another ten years, yeah. I will draw two more boobs. Um, <laughs> anyway, he, an um, average of one boob every five years. Yeah, that's right. That's his. That's on his, a woman. On a woman. Well, plenty, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, plenty of big titty men. Yeah, of yeah that's around. true. That's true. Lots. So of anyway, big titty men. it's the Aztec chief. He's sacrificing a woman, and then like he's 
possessing the stone mask, which sets off the whole. But yeah, that is that is why there's weird, like as vaguely Aztec imagery with rivulets of blood flowing through them in the part one credits, right? Because of that. But anyway, uh, I I just wanted to point out the parallelism here because this is a reboot, and Steel Ball Run is, I mean, we meet a Zapelli at the end of this issue. You know, like the Steel Ball Run is somewhat uh, a parallel to part one of JoJo's and you can definitely see it structurally with this opening of like an Iraqi short story involving uh, an indigenous sacrifice. Yeah. And then once you kind of digest all of the anti-Native American racism, um, the actual character of Sandman whips ass. I like it. Yeah, he's a lot. I like that he's immediately (laughs) like, no, look, you guys, I read all the white people pamphlets and I think I figured it out. And we by white people this... pamphlets, he literally means the Bible, and the, the I Bible. fucking love yeah. it. Um, yeah. And he's like, we just need this thing called money, like this, that they, things that they consider money, and then we can just buy the land and tell them to fuck off. And I'm like, you know what? Fair point. White people don't keep their promises, but fair point. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, he says the white man's basic you know, concept can... is money, and I'm like, yep. Got, you nailed it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's fucking true. I, I like that he uses the white man's Olympic running style. And for some reason, that he does, goes that faster does, than a horse. That does not canonically stay the white man's Olympic running style. No, right? that Iraqi gets forgets about that. At some yeah. point, there's, his running style is special, but not because it's the white man's running style. Yeah, Iraqi Actually. walked that one back. Yeah, thank you, Iraqi. But while he's <laughs> running from his tribe and like climbing up a cliff, we do get like one panel of a weird hand coming out of his hand. Yeah. And since we are new and have never read or familiarized (laughs) ourselves with Jojo's at all before, we're just going to be, maybe it's a persona. It's wearing a, it's wearing a weird studded glove. Yeah. There's, uh, it's really hard to know what this could be. Can't parse it at all. But so that's happening. And then he runs into his sister. That's our, that's our Ruth Ruth, character. She's definitely, she's going to go on to run a faction of the pirate club. For sure, the AU Pirate Club. It's going to be yeah, like assuming the Pirate Club is is active, or like in this some universe. other like what's similar to pirates but different. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not smart. Eventually, we'll find but out. I do, whatever it like, is. Cowboys. No, we already have. Cowboys. We're running. Also, we're because there are many women in this. Yeah. Season arc, whatever. Many, like three. Well, no, but there like, are many prominent main characters who are women. But my point is, is we're going to be running into Iraqi's very hard limits on the ability to imagine a woman's face. And it, it begins and ends with Britney Spears. And they all just look like Britney Spears. <laughs> but eventually but everyone say, looks like Britney Spears. Like they all they all kind of just look like Jolene from part six. So like Poco's sister definitely looks like Jolene with different hair, which is fine. Just a nice face. I don't, I don't have complaints, but it is like... Eventually, you're just going to get into like I'm just distinguishing these women by their haircuts. Yeah, and a little extremely bit. awesome outfits. So we learn that Sandman is like he shows his sister. He's like, I have discovered the most amazing thing. There was an incredible person here, and who, he had balls. Who had balls of some kind? Many. And what kind of balls, balls could they have been? I wonder. St- uh, iron, They're not steel, stone, or iron. <laughs> Definitely not steel. And on top of that. This guy is where he got his white people pamphlets from. Yeah. The guy just like left a Bible on the Yeah, so some guy was throwing balls at a wall while reading the Bible. Whom could it be? Some fucking freak, surely. Yeah, some (laughs) weird ass person. So now we shift from this, uh, and it's 
at almost the halfway point of the issue, actually, or at least the one third point of the issue, we shift to white guys in a well-appointed room. And this is where we meet Stephen Steele. And this is also where we get toilet anxiety. Oh, yeah. It's, a, a, a JoJo's Hallmark. Yeah, it, we start off strong. This is also like one of the things where I'm like, people were really reading this and not knowing it was JoJo's when right away... Remember, it's like a kid fell into a toilet. Yeah. There's overflowing toilet. There's just rivers of shit on this beach. Like, this is straight out of, like, you know, Araki spent a whole year having toilet anxiety dreams, and he was like, all right, I'm fucking ready to go. Like- yeah. <laughs> also, like, so Stephen Steele, I assume, is named after Stephen Stills from Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and then later Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Yeah. Um, we've got Izapelli at the end of the episode, and at, at one point, a dude is named Dio Brando. I don't know how you could look at this and be like, oh, it's not JoJo, it's a new thing. Yeah. I think what it was is they were hoping people who had never picked up a JoJo's would pick this up and they would not know. Right. And they like, have no clue. Yeah, it's like a Trojan horsing JoJo's into people's minds. Um, um, oh, we also have um, Sandman. Pretty sure he's named after Inner Sandman from Metallica. Yeah, he could be named right. after a variety of songs, but I mean, we've already had a bad guy stand named, named Metallica. Metallica yeah. So Any given Sandman. is probably that one. Um, Steven Steele, is it a hat or is it his hair? It looks like a Humpty Dumpty egg hat. I think it's a toupee. I would agree. I think that that's a good compromise. I think that it looks a lot like both Rohan's headband and a Bakio's hat. It's like the worst version of either of those things. Yeah. Steve, for some reason, whenever I look at Steven Steele's face, specifically in the first panel on page 27. Um, it is. Yeah. With like, I just think like crab. He's a crab to me. Uh, I don't know Steven why. Steel, by the way, ugly man in JoJo's. Uh, oh, I was really finally, hoping no one, one would remember that. Yeah, I was just like, you know, I'm not going to say it, <laughs> and maybe neither. Right, of them you're never going to say it. We have we're we have the handicap of you never pointing out ugly men in JoJo's again. So every time we <laughs> point one out, it is like a triumph. <laughs> Yeah. Um, there's also a young girl hanging out with him who we will not be discussing at this yeah, time. Yeah, we, we will not be taking <laughs> and neither questions. neither will he. No questions on her. She doesn't get a name yet, but we eventually. We have unilaterally decided she's not problematic. So. Um, no, she's, she's not. She's great. She's amazing. Yeah. So she's, She is. She she's can do whatever she wants. She's one of the best characters. Also, this is. so My friend has a cat named after her. The cat is also not problematic. <laughs> This character in particular, it is tough to talk about her without being able to name her, but um, as if it's like a big deal name. But anyway, uh, everything that she wears, especially in this scene, it's just, I'm like, that is the most 2004 outfit. Like her hair too. Her, yeah, the flip hair oh, with the, the bangs, hair, yeah. the corset as Awful. a supposedly normal top that one would wear during the daytime. Like, the mid 2000s were really dark. She's wearing fishnets too, and like one of those like she is. two layer, uh, like pleated, like fluffy skirts, which like I definitely had a couple of those in high school. Like, yeah, it's like an it's like a crinoline that in a past time one would just wear under a skirt, but now it's the skirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then like cowboy boots. Yeah, well, I you assume have to, cowboy boots. That's on theme. Yeah, yeah. you that, got. But it also, that at, is very two thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Also, honestly, like 2004 was the last time. Like, basically, you know how everyone's like, oh, Lil Nas X is dressed like a JoJo. I'm like, yeah, but like, you know, 15 years ago, we did this. We had a moment where everyone lost their mind. and was like, no, cowboy boots, like, is an urban thing. Well, I'll just wear them. 
I definitely had a pair. We also get the bit where Steven Steele's assistant is like, oh, the French are on the beach with their dicks and tits <laughs> out and the uh, and the Chinese. Well, it's not even are, repeat that. It's you know, the, the most racist, yeah. basic ass trope. Yeah. But it is. Uh, but again, it is a trope specifically it that is. it's a, an American racist trope. And like Iraqi is faithfully documenting American racism. Yeah. Which sucks, especially when you're American. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, He's not wrong that that's what it's like. <laughs> we yes. do we do get and we get that amazing American individualism where Stephen Ste- Steele is like, if you have to eat dogs and show your tits, tell us why. <laughs> yeah. And also, right. like, so yeah, so this is where it's like the the two parter. And again, like, I don't know how you wouldn't know this was like a JoJo or Iraqi just only writes a certain number of kinds of character, but he's like such a hard ass. And then the very next page or the next scene when we go back to him, is him just crying about how everyone's being mean to him and expecting him to... I mean, he's that's a full ACDC. Yeah, yeah, just a meltdown. But in between there is Iraqi just taking some time to lovingly draw gun belts and spurs and embroidered leather hats and just, like, really... Iraqi is having the fucking time of his life. He has come into his own... He is ready to to refuse to draw anything other than chaps. <laughs> the, uh, the the two page splashes in part seven and part eight basically mm-hmm. uh, are just incredible. I mean, I think Araki. This is one of those places where you get to enjoy just the pleasure of of seeing someone draw who has been drawing for thirty years. Yeah, uh, and I, again, like he. That's right, because we didn't talk about this yet. He draws horses extremely well for someone who can't even draw children accurately. Well, like maybe children are harder to draw than horses. Maybe he chooses to draw children that way. Yeah, I guess he must because he, he's really good at drawing horses. Maybe horses are notoriously off, hard to draw. Maybe he spent the year off learning how to draw horses. It wouldn't surprise me because he, there's so many of them. Yeah. And if, if Shiro Bako, which again, why are you still listening to this podcast? If you haven't watched Shiro Bako, if Shiro yeah. Bako taught me anything, it's that horses are like the hardest thing to draw. By this time, ambitiously, you will have seen our new cover art, which will have future me's horse drawings, and therefore you oh, will know shit. how incredibly yeah. talented I am. Because in the past, I will have done that. <laughs> the the other um, thing logistically that that is brought up in the Stephen Steele scene is that they only expected like five hundred racers, but there's already like two thousand, and then there's more coming. It's why the toilets are overflowing, basically. The organizers have bit off more than they can chew, and Steven Steele's like, well, I guess throw money at the problem. We'll take out a loan and worry about it later. And this is stressful to look at from the middle of a pandemic. I'm like, holy fucking shit. There are so many people on that beach. It is impossible (laughs) to social distance on that beach. Yeah. I mean, that's Um, probably what the Oregon coast looks like literally right now. Oh, God. Don't even remind me. Unfortunately. We don't go anywhere anymore. (laughs) But when we do, it's like, does this river look uncrowded enough? Right. All right. We'll stop here. Yeah. Then it goes into the press conference where I guess Stephen Steele is playing Calvin Ball and just like making shit up. They're like, well, what about this? And he's like, uh, yeah, that sounds right. Sure. This is also where- Can they have guns? (laughs) <laughs> and he's like second amendment er and it that's a, another part where i'm just like iraqi is doing a caricature of american bullshit where it's like I yeah mean, this, <laughs> this was late 2004 this was peak george w bush fucking mission accomplished banner right. on a on a you know fucking <laughs> aircraft carrier yeah yep. 
But yeah, and it's, it, it, again, it's like Steele says, he's like, the race's identity is the pioneering spirit. Yeah. So it's like, which is, which is interesting to me because we learn that the race goes west to east, which is the right. opposite progression of every Western. It's the opposite progression of like how you expect a journey across America right. to go, basically. Right, because you, you would normally be starting from civilization and going out into the wilds. And Quote instead, unquote. this is. Yeah. yeah. Instead, this is, and I, I think there's a couple reasons for it. One of them is we can't talk about yet. But another reason is Iraqi is Japanese. Yeah. It's really just like, well, you start on this end and go across the continent, right? But also that, yeah, I mean, I think like, like, yeah, he's to him from his like geographical perspective, the West Coast is closer in. Yeah, that's like the start of America. And it's more exploration required to go east if you're on horseback. But I also think that like, you know, as literal as that is, I think that's just another like point where it's important to keep in mind that like even though this is this like very campy Americana pastiche, like it's not written by an American. Yeah. yeah. It's so like the perspective is gonna be different. Yeah, no no American would I just don't think any American would even think to write it from well, yeah, because that's again that's but again it's the thing where it's like so you can violate this trope of a Western, but for some reason you can't bring yourself to violate the like right. Native Americans are savages yep. trope. Yeah. But yeah, so and then they get into like who some of the notable <laughs> participants are. Well, in first this race. is the sponsors. Oh, right. Uh, I mean, obviously, this is where we find out that this the Speedwagon Oil Corporation exists. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we get we get our Speedwagon reference. We get Baron Rocachugo of German royalty who's driving in an automobile. Sure. Apparently German- that's allowed. German engineering. Because yeah, it's the pioneer spirit. Is the greatest right? in the world. Right. But yeah, and then we've got Abdul, who is, it's Avdol. Yeah. It's, I mean, he has the yeah. same, the the same necklace. necklace earring situation. Or maybe it's like AU Avdol's great grandfather or something. Sure, fuck it. I don't yeah. know. But yeah. And he's riding a camel, which is, I, I guess. Um, <laughs> we, I mean, it, it allows us to have camel facts later. In yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Also, like, it's a, you know, it's a, quadrupedal animal it is an animal that you ride i mean even though on this podcast we take a strong don't ride a camel stance because darius says it's scary yeah it is scary (laughs) well not for ermed 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 abdul abdul ermed abdul is a proficient camel rider so you know shows what we know uh who else do we have besides this guy the cowboy of wyoming mountain tim sure I know he has like other personality traits, but I, I genuinely just do remember him as like a generic, good looking mountain Tim. Does he have so other does, personality traits? I mean, he does things later. <laughs> Doing things isn't a personality trait. He just trait. seems hey. to me like he's going to have a really important role because I just feel like, first of all, you don't waste an amazing name like Mountain Tim on right, right. a throwaway like, character. Or an amazing face. Yeah, like you that. can't see too much of him right now, but his outfit is incredible. Yeah. But that, he, again, I feel like Steel Ball Run is, is, if nothing else, a story of a Rocky just throwing away good designs yeah. left and right. And just like, I'll use this for three pages. Oh, here's this amazing logo that's going to appear once. Like, he, he just has, like, too much. I do like that that Steven Steele cannot talk about Mountain Tim without also just throwing in, he's quite the looker. Yeah, Steven Steele's horned up for Mountain Tim. And, like... So is so is the rest of America. Yeah. yeah. America is thirsting after Mountain Tim and Steven Steele wants us to know it. He's the heartthrob um, of the he's, era. He's actually the inspiration for the Marlboro Man, I think. <laughs> I think so too. I think maybe he's um whole horses like great great grandfather. Well, it's possible. I don't think they they share any 
actual relation. I just think Whole Horse has like posters of Mountain Tim on his, on his wall. Aww, Whole um, Horse. We've got a descendant of Genghis Khan, which I guess makes sense because the Mongolians are known to be really good writers, right? Yep. So Dot Han. But then this dude who looks exactly like Dio has Dio's exact same backstory, but instead of becoming an evil megalomaniac vampire is instead just a, a world famous jockey, you know? And the reason for that is obviously because the only thing keeping main timeline Dio, Dio Prime from being a jockey was the fact that he is bigger than a horse himself yeah. and would crush so it instantly. If, if- so if Dio and Jonathan hadn't both been meat walls, then Danny it would all would have been still fine. be alive. Just kidding. Arena still would have killed him. Yeah. Yeah. Teach the controversy. Dio did nothing wrong. <laughs> but yeah. So, so there's a Diego Brando. This isn't Dio. Like he's called Dio, but it's not Dio. At no point does he turn into a vampire. He doesn't try to take over the world. He's not Dio. He doesn't have like the world as a stand there. Are, it's just, he's not Dio. The main, but he does look exactly like Dio and he is named Dio. So I understand the confusion. The main, similarity between Dio and Dio, Diego and Dio, is that both of them did nothing wrong. They're both flawless angels. They both could like bang me like a screen door. I love Diego (laughs) so much. He's been my iPad background screen since I read Steel Ball Run years and years ago. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. He's beautiful. And yes, also completely uh, flawless human being with no character deficits whatsoever. It's great. But yeah, and so it's interesting that so like these are the like sort of famous ones that everyone's watching. And uh spoiler, neither none of those characters are the main characters of Steel Ball Run. I'm sorry to sorry to break it to you all that Mountain Tim is not the main character. Which is weird because he kind of seems like he should be. Because again, we're working in in a a different Western Mountain Tim would be wasn't Whole Horse originally supposed to be a Stardust Crusader, right? Like wasn't didn't Yeah. So, you know, there's a little a little bit of that. And then, yeah, I like at the end, they're like, by the way, we hear you're married to a 14-year-old. And Stephen Steele's like, bye. Interview <laughs> over. Done. He uh, is not going to be called out on social media for no. this. No. Stephen Steele will not be canceled he's for going, being married to a no, teenager. He is, he is going private. Yeah. And uh, he's just locking. Yeah. Locking his account. And then we transfer to someone trying to register for the race. And that person is... Uh, the most beautiful man alive. I was going to say that, actually. I was going to say the most beautiful man in the world. Uh, his name is Gyro Zappelli, and he has balls. Uh, do you all know what Gyro is from? I assume Gyroscope? Yes, but J-Lo. No! Yep. Really? Yep. How did I never know yep. that? And I just, I just blew your minds. You did? Yeah, J-Lo. That is new information to me. <laughs> what is the 2004, baby. Of this info, oh, I mean, it lines up yeah. completely. But just like, what, where, where did, did I find that out? I don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. Did Iraqi tell you in a dream? Gyro, I just like J Lo. Wait, I'm looking. That's it up. amazing because Gyro, because Lo and Row would be yeah. similar. No, and, and Gyro in the Zappelli. Italian edition of SBR, Gyro's name is written J Lo. Um, wow. Well, he is waiting for tonight. <laughs> J-Lo Zappelli, fuck. J-Lo yeah. Oh, my God. So we have J-Lo here. Um, J-Lo has arrived. <laughs> I feel like his ass should be better for that, really. Well. If you go to, if you go to like, the Italian Wikipedia page for Gyro, it's just J-Lo Zappelli. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to ask you both to do me a favor. Fuck. Could you 
possibly maybe consider talking about Gyro's outfit. Well, we have to because it gets a full <gasps> splash Do we page. have to? Do we have to? Do we have to? And not to? even the whole outfit, just from the hips up. Let's start from the top. <laughs> okay, so the hat. I honestly the goggles think his whole, on the hat. His entire outfit is a study in like stripes, which I think his entire outfit hair. is a study in restraint. Well, no, it's just it is. It's literally it's like chiaroscuro <laughs> lighting, like the black and white, yeah. like the the presence and absence of things. So like the weird slotted the subtlety. hat, but then also the <laughs> weird. I'm I'm being very sincere in that. <laughs> Like the weird slats in his hat mirror the weird like strips yeah. of I guess ribbons on his arm, which mirrors the like the grid on his is that over his bodysuit or just part of the bodysuit? Right. And then he's got his over the bodysuit. And then he has the facial hair. The Darby, or, the Darby yeah, younger facial hair. I'm a face metal truther. I know you are, and that's fine. I can let you be wrong on that. And then he's got balls all like he's got the, the so big many rivets. Balls. All over, which then is obviously the balls. And then, and then the two biggest balls hanging in these ball sacks, if you will. Like they're supposed to be, it's supposed to be like a modified, they they call it like, I think someone's like, that's the like in your. like, it's in your gun holster. And I'm like, that's not a gun belt. That is a custom made ball sack. <laughs> be real. Yep. Let's uh, be and then accurate. Let's do it. Let's, let's talk about the, the belt. belt. <laughs> the belt. I remember, so two things I remember. One, when you were trying to get me into JoJo's, you showed me one of the covers of Steel Ball Run with Gyro on it and the other main character. And it was the one with the ones on the floor with his yep, hand all I know the way which up one. on his crotch. And you were like, these are both men. And I was like, okay, tell me more. <laughs> and then you showed me the part two opening and I was like, all right, I'll watch this show. Yeah. Uh, but I remember that. And then I remember the like just like un, like the first time I noticed that his belt was just two hands pointing down at his crotch, and I was just like, "Wow, okay, Gyro, like, this is obviously a sex comic about people who bone." Gyro like, wants you to look <laughs> at his crotch. I mean this the splash page is POV. You're about to suck his dick. Also, Gyro can't not pose. Like I know Araki likes to pose his characters anyway, but like for a a, a good while. Every time Gyro is in a panel, he's posing. Yeah, he's one of the posiest JoJo's. Yeah, Gyro is like the JoJoist JoJo, which is funny because he's the Zapelli. Yeah, uh, but he doesn't. Can we talk about his? Can we talk about his grills? Yes. Well, yeah. Uh, Gogo Zapelli as his, which again, this is the most 2004 yeah. thing to have a non-black character have fucking gold grills with his name on them. Go yeah. go! I like truly think go goes a Pelly would be a good tattoo somewhere <laughs> i mean i think you should get grills <laughs> i don't think you actually think that no i <laughs> i uh i do intend to get one of the little doodles which we can oh, talk yeah. about too because there's a doodle at the end of this but yeah the between chapter doodles are really beautiful in this in steel ball run and i do intend to get one of them tattooed on me from the future and then, a, and then a guy shows up who just has to touch Gyro's balls. I don't blame him. Everyone has to touch Gyro's balls. They're like, yeah. apparently they're like very enticing. Well, especially, so yeah, so he grabs him and then, and like the whole, like this is one of those ones that I find it frustrating if they never end up making an anime out of this because I think this is definitely one of those, like, you know, part six is like whatever, there's a lot of bonkers stuff, but a lot of the bonkersness is in the concepts yeah, and like the dialogue and just like the stands themselves. Whereas in part seven, a lot of it is just like many, many panels of Iraqi trying to convey specific types of motion. It's so kinetic. 
and yeah, and there's just a lot of the stuff is about like pe- like the ways that things and people move or are twisted. And so it's like I just want to see it in like what yeah. they do in action because I I think it'll look even cooler. Same, similarly, honestly, to a lot of part five where it's like, you know, a Bakio stand on the page versus like a Bakio stand right. in animation. It's just, it's different and it's even better. And it's like, I really think a lot of Steel Ball Run, I'm just like, I want to see like how the balls work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, I, I, I can't say it straight all the time. Um, we can talk about Gyro's balls a lot without me laughing, but I'm still like part of me is just really adolescent. and So Gyro gets like kind of lightweight pickpocketed yeah yeah for like 20 bucks or we're talking about like three cents yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly again the dramatic tension just goes away but yeah for 20 bucks i'd be kind of pissed especially if it was like the last 20 bucks between me and registering for this cross-country race and like if if i've ever seen somebody who should be in a cross-country horse race it's this fucking guy yeah. Yep. And I and I do like his his sort of arrogance. He's like, I need that money because I'm going to win this race. Yeah. So give it to me. Yeah. Neo. And yeah. And so he, he grabs his ball, and then somehow he ends up like being twisted and like falling to his knees. Yeah. And it's not very clear. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. And we get Gyro's catchphrase, Neo Ho Ho. Neo Ho Ho. What a weird laugh. Strange. He's a weird guy. Strange person. Yeah. He seems weird. I mean, that is the most Baron Zappelli thing about Gyro is his Nyo Ho Ho That's true. Like that's the kind of thing that I would expect Baron Zappelli to say. The rest of Gyro, much more of a Caesar vibe to him. Yeah. Yeah. But, but also, yeah, I just, I love him. I love his long, beautiful, flowing J-Lo hair. God, everything about him is just really enhanced by knowing that he's named <laughs> after J-Lo. I also his, love hair that, like, cha- his hair changes, though. It does. Um, Araki but right now, decides it's for like, it to be different, yeah. But right now, it's like, waist length and kind of bushy yeah and full and almost curly yeah but yeah eventually he gets like a layer no no right? no it's it's still really long but it's more like whip like kind of like oh, lisa, yeah, lisa, lisa style hair yeah yeah he gets a he gets a straightener yeah on he the road orders one from that yeah he gets like a good keratin pack or something yeah. that just takes care of his split ends i don't <laughs> know um but yeah yeah, and, gyro man, and then that's it for the for the issue. We get our cool doodle at the end with uh, Gyro doing a great pose. But yeah, yeah, so this this really sets it up for like, and I think we could just go round and round on like who is the main character of Steel Ball Run, and I think there's like equal evidence for it being the Joe Star who hasn't even shown up yet. If there or, even is one, who knows? Because <laughs> this isn't JoJo's, yeah. um, and Gyro's a Pelly. Yeah. And Gyro's Gyro definitely gets the like, I'm a cool guy and this is gonna be about me. I mean the real intro. answer is that it's the deuteragonists. There is not a single protagonist yeah. of Steel Ball yeah. Run. It is about it is a story about two people, which gets set up in the next chapter, and we will yeah. talk to you about it next week. Yes, yes. indeed. And so uh, for the next episode of this podcast, we're going to be discussing issues two and three. They're called uh, Gyro Zapelli and Johnny Joestar. So, yeah. Probably some nothing dude. <laughs> yeah. Just a one-off. Yeah. Just a right. kind of like a Rohan yeah. story. Yeah. It's just a little interstitial yeah. about some guy named Johnny Joestar and then we never hear about him again. Yeah. yeah. JoJo's Bizarre Explainer is recorded in Portland, Aura, Aura, Oregon. You can follow us on Twitter at ExplainJoJo or find us on the web at ExplainJoJo.com. We love to hear from our listeners, so please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us the kind of review that Eliz would leave for Steel Ball Run. 